episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. Now is the time to help us out, and there are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episodes, or become a sponsor, or do all of the above. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. Drag Race gave us disco fever and the battle of the century. It's time to break down the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race season 13. And joining me on this journey through disco is Ramona Mirage. Hello, welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, you said disco, so obviously I had to show up. Yeah, I, 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 I was waiting for Drag Race to go disco and we got a full documentary type thing. It was a, it was oh, a choice. Was... There were so uh, many it, choices. It was. There were a lot of choices. <laughs> yeah. I was super excited when I heard disco and it I will admit I was a little let down, but I think it was just it. yeah, I think Rue just wanted to talk about disco and then have the queens do stuff to it. I don't know. It was something and we will definitely get to it, but how are you enjoying the season so far? Pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's a pretty diverse cast. Of course, we have to acknowledge we have the first openly uh, identified trans man on the cast, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Um, and I hope that we see more of that. And it's not simply tokenization, because that's something I think a lot of folks are concerned about. Absolutely. Um, but um, I mean, the cast overall, I think is really great. And I'm very curious to see who's going to fill Jada's shoes because I don't know if I feel that anyone's up to par for me yet interesting okay all right I mean that we'll get to that last final question of the podcast but yeah I I still have someone in mind who I think is going to take the crown but Mm -hmm. I also enjoy watching a season where it's not predictable and anything could happen definitely let's dive into it after the elimination, what a day. Candy's boyfriend-to-be is sent home, and she's sad. Lala sent her man home, and Candy has a crush on him, and she will sleep with him when they meet again after the show and when she wins the competition. Bold assumptions there. Um, I really am curious to know if Candy and <laughs> Joey have reunited. I don't know. Candy, Candy is something. I... <laughs> When she was chasing around that table, I was like, okay, I mean, I do a lot of crazy shit and people in Boston will laugh at me because I'm usually the one to flirt with the other drag artists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even do that. I'm not chasing people around at the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good television, but there is a lot of unfinished business from Untucked. Lala thinks it's going to be an Atlanta strip club up in here with drinks flying and wigs flying. We get a little bit of a reminder, um, a little flashback of the Tamisha and Candy fight. And Candy says she was defensive and that they were cool, but it's, it was all news to her. Utica is convinced that this was just blown out of proportion. Uh, she knows that Tamisha has feelings and she's going to take it. She says Candy can dish it, but she has a very difficult time taking it and gets defensive. And I just, it's really unfortunate the way it went down because it didn't make candy look good yeah i i have to agree you know i think that this is something that um reminded me a lot of 
what we saw with Britta last season is when yeah. you are a New York artist and you're a big name in the city, and I, I believe that she's in LA now, but you still have that community rallying behind you. And especially right. having a family member who was on Drag Race prior, there's so much pressure. And so when all eyes are on you and you mess up or you're not, um, you know, you feel that someone's coming through, especially after getting those critiques from the judges, yeah. uh, it's just sad to see the automatic defensiveness that people yeah. turn to um, instead of, you know, just looking at it as an opportunity for growth and how to really fight for their life in the game. Absolutely. Well, Miss said what she said, Amon recounts what she said. And Candy is like, I don't like some of you girls, but you did good in the ball challenge. And I've been doing drag for this long. And Tamisha said, that's what she heard. And then Candy's like, just roll back the tape. It's really unfortunate that not only are we having a Candy versus Tamisha situation, the other girls are kind of fueling the fire with their own interpretation of what was said as well. So it's really interesting to see who's on whose team because Tamisha really didn't have an ally. Yeah, you know, I was really surprised um, that Lala did not stand up for her more, though I did gather from, I don't remember if it was this episode or a previous one, that they weren't really necessarily mother-daughter because when they right. had the promos, they made it seem very much that they were mother-daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it was Tamisha put her in drag, Lala did drag for the day, and then they barely talked. Right. <laughs> sure, that's how mother-daughters work in, I guess, Atlanta. I don't know. But Tamisha says, don't ask a question that you don't want the answer to. Um, Tamisha said, ever since the other group came into the work, when she's observed that, well, she's observed. But Candy says, no matter what the other group thinks, two of them are gone, and she's still here. And that is exactly what Tamisha is talking about. Candy is showing that the A team is better than the B team, but it's the arrogance that is not cool with her. Candy says she doesn't have to be sisters with Tamisha. Don't speak to her. Don't look at her. And Tamisha reminds Candy that she's a grown-ass woman and doesn't need to be spoken to like that. I know it's a reality show, and I know there are cameras rolling, but I don't think a 26-year-old talking to a 49-year-old person that way is respectful and any way shape or form mm -mm, no and i think that tamisha shows us a little bit of what drag race used to be is people used to tell like it is they didn't care yeah. there's a lot of pressure from the fandom now and bullying gets tossed around very loosely now that mm -hmm. the fandom is getting a lot younger and i think that tamisha is a really strong representation of what old school drag is like they these old school queens will tell you what it is we all know them from our local scenes they're not afraid to speak their mind and they will bring people down to size who really need to be taken down a few pegs and i think that's what she felt she needed to do with candy absolutely and and as they say atlanta people and brooklyn people just they just, they don't take shit <laughs> yep. um and tamisha says that it is easy to get to the winner's circle just as, as easy it is to get to the loser circle. And that is the teaser of the episode because we will see what happens later on. It's a new day. It was a bad girls club brawl last week and Elliot wants it to be a brand new week and go back to the way it was. Wishful thinking, girl. Uh, Rue arrives saying it's their host, RuPaul, Charles Nelson Riley, because Rue is wearing an ascot like Charles Nelson Riley. Rue will then ask if they know who Charles Nelson Riley is and no one raises their hand 
And I think that editing is a lie because I know they ha- some of them have to know who he is. Like, really? You know who not, Charles Nelson Ryan I was going right? to say, not me Googling who this is as you asked me this oh, question. Oh, no! Match game, match game, match game. Um, uh, okay, interesting. I'm going to get attacked for this. Oh, no. Pro- <laughs> maybe. We'll see. No, that, see, that's fascinating. But, like, I would expect someone like Tina Burner, who is a comedy queen, would know classic comedians. So it was interesting from like if all people who didn't raise their hand it was her, I really do think it was the the producers being like don't raise your hand so we can have a silly moment. Sure, cuz even Tamisha would have been you know, it's alive when Match Game was on. It's not like Match Game was that long ago. Right. So it was very 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 interesting, but for this week's mini challenge they will be modeling a look made from spoon flower wallpaper and modeling against a wall of matching wallpaper while the other partner will be providing fashion commentary. They need to pair up and whoever their partner is will be their partner for the maxi challenge. Have you ever gone to spoonflower.com before? No. <laughs> Me either. Have you gone since? No. Yeah, bad product placement. What such odd sponsorship here. Oh yeah, is it is it for wallpaper? Is that all Spoonflower does? I think they do wall like home goods. I would I would mm. say Th- things of that nature. Yeah, um, it seemed very forced. This really was a great reminder for us of how the fandom of Drag Race is getting very cishet. Yes, I mean you 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 would think at this point they would try to get like you know like brother or singer to um to sponsor them so they can get actual working sewing machines, but. Mm-hmm. That's not good drama if they don't have good sewing machines. So, Gottmik, as the winner last week, will get to pick uh, his pair of choice. The pairs are Simone and Lala Ree, Rose and Denali, Utica and, uh, Utica and Olivia, Candy and Tina, and Elliot is stuck with Tamisha because no one likes them, apparently. Gottmik obviously joins Candy and Tina to create a throuple, of course. They have 30 minutes to create their wallpaper dress, and it's basically a free-for-all. Um, cute montage. The only fun moment is Denali asking if her hole is covered. Gottmik is modeling a dress made of sushi wallpaper, and the puns are very fishy and silly. The look is pretty good. I mean, they all did fairly good job creating something, whatever it was. Um, Denali is Buttons Foster, which I cackled a little bit when they said that name. I did too, um, definitely. The button eyes are basically the highlight of the bit, but yeah, they didn't really do much. Elliot and Tamisha go full Tiger King, uh, saying it's Kyle Basking, oh, that bitch, I hate her. Elliot in quick drag um, looks very odd. Don't know how to describe Mm. it. Very, very strange human. Speaking of strange humans, Utica is here just in time for allergy season with a flower dress, but the story here is her bangs make her walk around aimlessly and Rue just calls her that crazy bitch what was she doing i didn't know what was going on but can i tell you i was living when she was stumbling off the stage and stumbling into the other artist i I couldn't stop laughing i don't even think olivia knew what was going on yeah no um definitely then lala has pizza on her uh her body and the pizza pasties and i don't know she was just very uncomfortable she just yeah, I'm not a fan of her. When I saw this look in the in the first 15 minute um, yeah. 
the cover of the YouTube video, I was like, what the hell is this girl doing with pizza pasties? That, I don't, that was a choice. Yeah. Well, the winners of the challenge are Tamisha and Elliot. And I think the entire group was kind of gagged at that. They each win $2,500 gift card to spoonflower.com. And I hope we learn what they bought from spoonflower.com because <laughs> I really want to know what, what I, I don't, I, I don't need wallpaper. Why would I need wallpaper? They don't even get a good prize. Like the good prize is like when, when you get clothes or, or first queen jewels or something like that. But no, no, spoonflower. The Maxi Challenge is making a dancing documentary about the beat that defined a generation of liberation disco. Rue assigns the parts, which is very interesting. Um, usually that's not what happens, but we get Tina Canyon and Gottmik are the birth of disco. Elliot and Tamisha are disco and sex. Olivia and Utica are Studio 54. Denali and Rose are disco fashion. And Lala and Simone are disco sucks. Elliot thinks this is her moment to show the girls who she is. Before we dive into the challenge later on, which of the ones sounded most appealing to you? Which is the one you would have wanted to be assigned assigned to? That's a good question. I I would probably say that was it Sex and Love. Um, um, uh, disco and Sex. Disco and Sex. Yes. I mean, I think that's basically my drag for anyone who knows me is Disco and Sex. So <laughs> that that spoke to me. Um, Studio Fifty Four is also a good one. I, before they did the challenge, I was curious to see how they were going to tease them out because they all seem to blend fairly together minus mm -hmm. the, um, uh, the, I can't remember the name of it, but the politicized, the, the politicized movement. Um, the disco sucks. We hate disco or yeah. disco sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was but very interesting. all just seemed to blend together. They, they, they really did, but we'll get to there because we first got to get them ready to go. It's time to get ready. Denali thinks it's her challenge to win. Lala gets a sensation through her body when she hears Disco. And then we get to see Tina, who is trying on one of her big red wigs. And Utica says to Olivia that the wig makes Tina look small. And Olivia says, tell her, tell her, tell her. Um, Tina takes the joke and says, standing next to Lala, she'll be good. Um, I think the only reason why we had this moment left in on the cutting room floor was because what the critique will ultimately be for Tina later on. Um, Cause that wig is very different than the one she wore on that runway. Yeah. It was very, very tiny. So Denali and Rose meet at the Rue table because again, social distance, Rue's gotta be away and everyone's gonna go to Rue. Um, they gravitated together because of their dance and choreography backgrounds. Denali says that they're at the same level um, I still am convinced maybe they have, um, they're, 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 they may be like um, bubble cuddle, cuddle buddies. I don't know. There's something going on there. Denali used to work on cruise ships and they would spotlight shows, including shows like Saturday Night, Saturday Night Fever. So she's very versed in disco. And then Rue asks if there is ice skating on the cruise ships. And Denali was one of the featured skaters. How do you do that on a cruise ship? Well, you still jump and spin and do it all while the boat is tilting around i've never been on a cruise that just terrifies me i also i haven't been on a cruise either but i was my, my roommate and i were saying that a cruise ship is big is it really moving that much that she has to be that concerned about tipping over that's fair that's fair i guess it's not like, like a one, tiny little sailboat right i guess if there's like one big wave or something you can like 
lose your footing, but I didn't even know that you, there were ice rinks on cruise ships. I wonder which line that is. We'll I'll have to find out. Yeah. Rue reminds Rosé she almost won last week and wants to know how she's going to pull it off. Rosé says she's just got to let go as she's been in the top three weeks in a row, but she hasn't let her guard down. And Rue agrees and says that she's not letting the judges get to get her down and it's hard to fall in love with her without honesty and vulnerability. Is this her inner saboteur that Rue loves to talk about? I, I have a feeling. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the inclination that I got. And it, it's always hard to see when artists get in their heads and the saboteur gets the better of them. I mean, you know, we could talk about people from so many different seasons where this has really been the downfall yeah. of their um, of their time. And I'm really hoping that she could pull it together and get out of her head. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, again, I, I, I know Rosé. This is not the Rosé I know from home. Right. This is, but I, I've never been on a reality show. I don't know how I would react when there are cameras pointing at me. So it's understandable to see why she's a little bit vulnerable right position. Simone and Lala revisit Rue and he asks if what they know about disco. So Lala knows about Sylvester and Simone knows moving and grooving and lots of hair. Rue tells them that the disco sucks movement happened in Chicago when a DJ told people to bring disco records to the stadium and set them on fire. I love teaching moments on Drag Race. I love when they do that kind of thing. Um, did it stick with the audience? I'm not really sure. Like uh, other other things when they teach have hit, like when the, we did the ball, I think it was last week. Didn't really resonate this time. It was like we reset it, we moved on. It didn't, right. And I had saw someone post online, I believe that there was a much more racial component to this movement that wasn't really touched upon. Right. And I wonder if had they talked about that, would it have resonated with us as audience members more and also made it, more impactful to have Absolutely. the movement as part of this episode instead of it just seemed kind of happenstance and almost forced. Absolutely. Yeah, it was very interesting. Then we get Got McTina and Candy come over and Candy says she knows Disco through the Pussycats, Pussycat Dolls like I Will Survive moment and Rue is ready to slap her and I think many, many, many other people <laughs> were too. Yep. Rue asks Tina to name her top three Disco records. She says, knock on wood, Thelma Houston, which Rue says that is not Thelma Houston. Um, I Will Survive by Diana Ross, but that's a cover of Gloria Gaynor. And Tina got good by Rue. Like, was she trying to fool her or was Tina like stuck or stumped? Like, Tina's smarter than that. Yeah, I, I know Tina. Tina had actually... Um my first performance ever was a Barracuda for Star Search with Tina. Aha. And I, Tina definitely seems smarter to me than that. Um, you know, I don't know her that well. I don't know any of these artists all that well, but I, I something seemed off with that like, whole interaction. Fine, knock on wood, that, that's a hard, harder harder one to do. Um, don't leave me this way, fine, fine. It's a little harder to remember the artist. I will survive? Come on. Yeah, that, that's when I that. wanted to get the backhand. Yeah, I <laughs> that was that was not it. Yeah, um, Gottmik is going to keep their favorite disco songs to themselves because clearly don't know anything about disco, and they don't want to look like Tina. Exactly. And Candy <laughs> is asked what the difference between Diana Ross and Donna Summer, and Candy is just floundering. If she knew what the difference is, I don't think she did. 
Um, Rue can barely control himself yet again. And Candy says, one is big, bouncy hair mahogany, and the other one is dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> Um, there are no more walkthroughs, but Rue tells them that they are going to be doing choreo with Miguel Zarate. Um, seemed like a really nice gentleman. Candy wants to be in the top this week and wonders if they will be judged on groups or individuals. And Rose says it sucks if one person in the group fucks up, if it is in fact in groups. Candy floats the idea that what if it's groups and you have to lip sync against your partner and Rose asks about the throuple and Olivia says she could see a three-way lip sync and two going home. Candy not having it. She's not having it. She's questioning herself for not picking a dancing queen now because she's stuck with two bitches with two left feet. So that was unfortunate, but that would have been a good gag if they were told like you have to um, lip sync against your partner. I thought about that at first and then I thought that because they more or less did that in the first two episodes or first yeah. episode that they wouldn't repeat that um but That's that would have been gaggy had they had they saved it and cut yeah. us all that three episode no elimination <laughs> yeah it's time to learn choreography with miguel zarata and he's ready to show them some moves that are going to be fun as he says uh the trio is up first and they start off with the seat belt tina is uh told she is up and flighty and she needs to be down and dirty um, is the seatbelt in your drag vocabulary? Do you use that as one of your dance moves? No, that was honestly <laughs> the first time. <laughs> I was like, that's what it's called. I mean, it makes sense, but like, right, right. Very interesting. Um, yes. Miguel says that they're all getting it, except for Mick is not really getting the dance moves. Lala and Simone are next and are told to shuffle and they need to go hip, not dip. Start popping it up. Elliot and Tamisha are told to think hot, heavy, and hula hoop. Elliot don't want no damn hula hoop. Um, I don't know if I did. I didn't do the research, but you're a disco queen. Are hula hoops disco? Not that I know of. I mean, I don't, I'm not here to, you know, say that I'm the queen of disco or that I know everything about disco, but that was the first time I ever heard that. I had Tamisha's same reaction, and Tamisha <laughs> is one of my favorites. I knew she wouldn't win, but. I love her. And when she was like, hula hoops. I mean, yeah, she was like, what the hell? You. What the hell to the hula hoop? Um, she's just yeah. not getting it as well as Elliot. And now we learn something kind of important about her. Um, aside from the cancer, she is here with an ostomy bag on her stomach and it limits her mobility. She hasn't mentioned it to the other contestants and isn't asking for special treatment. I found this fascinating. Why do you think she didn't tell the contestants? I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier is this is the old school mentality. She doesn't want special treatment. I think that she seems like someone like a lot of the older school artists are who has had to fight their way from the bottom to the top. Whereas nowadays, if you pay for followers and pay for Facetune, you can get gigs. And it wasn't yeah. that way before you had to fight for your spot. And so I think that she's been conditioned to have that mentality of, I don't want special treatment. I'm here because I worked for it. I survived yeah. cancer to be here. And I'm going to keep fighting to win that crown. I don't want anyone you know, giving me any special accommodation or anything. Would you say that the ostomy bag may have aided in her elimination then? Because she, she could have asked for special treatment if she was not able to hula hoop. Right. I, theoretically, I could see that helping her 
I don't know if it would have been enough to save her, but regardless, I could also see even if she stayed that that could get to her and that could trigger the inner saboteur. And so it was a ticking time bomb anyway. So I think she made the right decision to give the opportunity to someone else if she really didn't feel that she was up to it. Right. And obviously production knew that she had one. Um, do you, do you think that Rue had an idea about it? It's so hard to say. I feel like as the show has developed, I, my gut says that Rue is not privy to as much as she used to be as right. now that we're on VH1 and World of Wonder has taken over a lot of the decisions. Um, I would I would venture to say that she was out of the loop on that one. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like Rue would have brought it up at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the runway, like she did the other episode, like, oh, you survived cancer? Oh, you lose the lipstick. <laughs> She's like, oh, you have an ostomy bag? <laughs> you yep. can sashay away. Yep. So Denali and Rosé have the heaviest dance in the sequence. Denali is showing off and they are the strongest technical team. Rosé knows her biggest concern in this challenge is winning. She's got, she thinks she's got it. Then we have Olivia and Utica and they get to play with some fabric. Um, as Mick says, one of them is doing the choreo wrong and the other, by the looks of it, is not Lala says the piece of fabric is tearing Utica up. And if ever there was a moment to say she is one of those flailing, inflatable arm people, this was it yet again. Utica is telling herself she can do it, but Olivia is living in disco land and she has a big shoes to fill if she's going to compete against her. Um, and this was really the first time we've seen Utica have a little bit of a, uh oh, I'm not going to do so well moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, once again, Olivia, I feel, is viewed by many as the underdog coming into the Absolutely. season. And this was another, yet again, challenge where she really rose the occasion and proved that she deserves to be here. Yeah. It's discography day. It's elimination day. And Tina tells her team that they have to show their personalities on stage. Candy says they are the loudest bitches in the room and they are going to prove that they can deliver. So the three of them put their hands in the middle and Tina says, mean girls on three. Is that the click you really want to be? I mean, Tina says that some people think they're bitches, but drag queens are very loud, outspoken, and push buttons. They're the mean girls. Is that really what you want to call yourself on national television right now? Yeah, I I don't know if that was it. That that was not the choice I would have gone because for. Because there uh. there have been comparisons already to Alaska Talks. They're, they're, they, I know there's a name floating out somewhere. I don't remember what it is. Obviously, Alaska Talks is beloved. We, we love them individually. But as a trio, they were kind of toxic. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that's what the edit is showing us right now, that they are becoming a bit of a toxic energy in that room. Yeah, I would agree. And it makes me a tad upset that God Mick is being painted in this light. Um, yeah. Again, just being that they're such a big representation for so many people. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's upsetting to have them then turn into one of the villains because it seems like there's a few yeah. this season. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it was really shocking to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. If they're going to identify themselves that way as a group, I mean, they're kind of doing it to themselves. Exactly. And like, I know we all love the movie Mean Girls, but we know what happens in Mean Girls. We know what they are, they are to the other people in the room. 
I'm just really shocked that that's what they came up with. But we'll see where this development goes next. We then learned that Olivia wanted to be in the color guard, but she was a marching band playing the piccolo, which I thought was so fascinating. So we learned that she used to be over 300 pounds and was teased about her weight, and she was insecure because she was also in the closet. It was a lot for her. It was a dark time, and she felt she couldn't be herself or be a kid as well. She then tells a story about how she went to an amusement park as a kid and was turned away from a ride because she couldn't fit in the seat. She lost weight in high school after the doctor said the dreaded O word. That's when she found theater and drama, and that turned into drag. She then goes on to say it took her a long time to be happy with her body, but she still doesn't look at the scale and just looks in the mirror and feels good about themselves. And this was a very good moment for Olivia. This was a very good edit moment because now mm-hmm. we're getting to see this unique, beautiful side of her. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a winner's edit? Maybe, but it's definitely a miscongeniality edit. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I definitely resonated with this. Um, because again, knowing Olivia, she's always bubbly. She's always sparkly. She's always got that smile on. You wouldn't look. You don't look at her and think about that kind of past that she would have had. So it was really, really touching to see this happen on the show. And it's like, I know her in real life, but I don't think this kind of conversation would ever happen if the show hadn't showed us first. Sure. And I think that she, in my opinion, she's extremely polished. And so it's always easy for us to put people who present in that polish, not only physically, but personality wise on a pedestal. And so it's nice just to have people be grounded. Um, And it it felt more genuine than what some stories are portrayed on Drag Race where you could tell it was really pushed by the producers. Absolutely. Candy. Oh, she's asked about her favorite fight she's ever had. She says the one with her inner demons. Back to that inner saboteur. She has had a battle with herself as her mother was in and out of jail and she was hood smart on the streets. She knew there was an obstacle where she would go ham. And when her and Tamisha had their battle, it was a setback for Candy because she worked so hard to not be that angry person because she hasn't been that angry person in so long. This was, in my opinion, the editors being like, Candy's going to be here for a while. You got to like her. So we're going to give her a happy moment right now. Um, but I feel like this is a, this is a story that a lot of people would resonate with as well. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. And, you know, as uh, as a social worker and a therapist, primarily drag is a hobby for me. Um, it, it, you know, hit home for me. Um, it really pulls at the heartstrings. I think it really, again, gives us a grounding nature of who she is and a genuine yeah. understanding of why she is this way. Um, and I think it was also important for people to remember why sometimes people have that um, attitude and present in that way that it's not always just because they're a bitch. It's because people have had past and sometimes we are yeah. so quick to react without thinking about that. Absolutely. Tamisha is told she has lived five different lives and we learned that she used to live in the project and Miss Kim gave the kids something to do at the projects. Tamisha's nickname there was Booty and Miss Kim knew that she could flip and do all those things and no one allowed her to do it until this woman came into her life. Her mom had said, boys don't do that stuff. So she's grateful for the lady in her community and that's why she became the person she is today. Again, we have one, two, three, three important plot lines 
you can tell which one's going to be the winner's edit, and you can tell this is the editors saying one of these two is not going to make it tonight because we know who the third person in the bottom is. We haven't got a Utica story yet. And they're not going to just eliminate Utica without giving us a Utica story. So yeah, I, you know, I, I actually hadn't thought of that. Um, I did realize when the Tamisha story was coming, I, I knew that that was the yeah. um, the sign that she was out. Um, but I I hadn't thought about the lack of a Utica story yet. So I'm yeah. curious to see when that'll pop up. Yeah, it's I, I as someone who loves reality TV way too much, I watch the edit more than I should. And it kind of ruins shows sometimes because I'm like, I mm-hmm. know it's going to happen. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We really haven't had a Utica edit. We haven't really learned about Tina's backstory at all. We've touched on almost everybody else. We haven't really, we, we did get Lala Ree last week, but it's, it's in, I think we can kind of see where things are starting to line up and who's going to be ending up where shortly, but time for the runway. Rue looks glamorous in that purple gown. Um, that giant neck piece was stunning. Michelle this week is joined by Carson and Lonnie Love once again. She's back in our rotation. And we're going to start with the disco mentory. Um, overall thoughts. What did you think? Um, I thought it was cute. Nothing necessarily stood out at me um, or stood out oh. for me. Um, but I think overall it was cute. You know, it happened. Uh, I was kind of indifferent about the whole thing, to be honest. I was too. If if someone said, here's a quiz on what you just saw, I would probably fail it. I don't, nothing stuck with me, which is not necessarily a good sign for the show. Yeah. Um, I hope they don't do this kind of challenge again, because it's not, it's not bringing anything new to the Queens. Yeah, I thought there would at least be lip syncing, and I thought that maybe right. they would be doing songs that were specific to like disco and sex and mm-hmm. then studio 54 and all the other categories but it was just um background music for them yeah. to dance to somewhat awkwardly absolutely well let's go through it a little bit um it's disco time and rue has a story for you she'll give you the history of disco but that's not what we're here to do we're going to talk about the performances and the looks from the challenge uh, the birth of disco is really Tina's time to shine. Uh, she was front and center wearing an exceptional dance look with that fun blonde uh, hair. I thought she looks one of her best in this um, challenge. Candy was so out of her element. She had fun, but you can tell she was back in her head as she messed up the moves. And the editors made us see those too. Um, Got Mick was also there. Disco and Sex truly was the Elliot showcase. She looked the part and really nailed all the hula hoop moves. And it was it was nice to see Elliot do well in a challenge because that's where she excels because she doesn't do it on the runway. Um, Tamisha really did the best she could, but was it was going hard for her when Elliot, Elliot was nailing it all and she's just moving through the motions. And you could tell that it wasn't her time this this challenge. Then we get some group interaction at the Red Velvet Rope getting into Studio 54, which I thought was kind of fun to see everyone interacting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Olivia brought 
so much energy. And sadly, next to Utica, it was just no contest. Olivia looked like a superstar. Um, I was so proud to see that. But Utica was true to herself. Um, this was just not the right challenge for her. She didn't know how to incorporate camp into disco, which was her biggest problem. And I don't know how she could have done it better. Then Denali and Rosé nailed their choreography. And also, why did their song keep saying Susan Lucci? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I, the only reason I even know who Susan Lucci is is because she's actually, she lives in my hometown on Long Island. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, unless I'm missing something, she has nothing yeah. to do with disco. Isn't she a soap opera actress? She's a soap star and, uh, and notorious for losing um, all the daytime Emmys until she finally won <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was some sort of like inside joke that, or a, a disco reference that I completely lost also. But listeners, if you know why they said Susan Lizzie, please tell me, I'd love to know. Then we get a fun group moment with Sylvester and everyone is pretty much going for it, but it's the dancers who are slaying this part while the camera forgets about the bad queens because we needed to see the good moments. And then we go back to Disco Sucks where Simone and Lala brought some good energy, but Simone's look was just not the ticket for me. She was the only one who I didn't feel like was in the right world. It was just a white oversized shirt. It's very interesting. Yeah, I and, don't even remember to be honest. So that's Yeah, something. exactly. I mean, I don't even know if it's in my picture. Yeah, you came in. She's not even there. Where the fuck did she go? <laughs> um, then the cast comes back out as they dance to We Are Family and they each go down the runway and give their best disco moves. Um, yeah, overall, it was a fun challenge, but I just don't, it's hard to judge this challenge and really say who did well, who did bad, because it, it wasn't much to really judge. If you're going off dance skills, then that's a whole different game. Yeah. All right, time for the runway. Category is Little Black Dress. We don't play a two boot here. We are going to play my version. In this game, we are going to honor the runway and play Little Hit, or Big Miss. First up, Tina Burner. Hair by Stephen Austin, jewels by Gems by Genesis, designed by Florence Delee, nails by Daniel Marandola. Okay, so she comes out in a wet paint jumpsuit and hat, and you're like, what's going on here? Of course, there's a reveal. It's a great reveal. Um, the dress itself is cute. She's going with signature Tina colors with a hint of camp with the handprints on the boobs and the ass. Fire bottom was very expected. I just don't think the cut the little back black dress worked for her and and the the, the hair. It was just, it was a very safe concept and I don't know. I don't know what didn't work. Maybe it was the hair. I think the hair was a large part of it. I mean, Tina and I are about the same height and build. We're broad-shouldered. We're I'm 6'3. I think she's about the same height out of heels. Um so you'd need the big hair to adjust the frame. Yeah. And Lord knows, everyone who knows me knows, I don't know, first thing about fashion, but this just was not it for me. I didn't, the, I kind of get the camp with the handprints, but I didn't totally understand it for this look with the paint. And um, just in general, I, I adore Tina, but I'm tired of these colors. This was an opportunity to not go into the red, orange, and yellow. Right. So I don't know why she did. Um, I just feel like at this point as an audience member, we're getting beat over the head with her, um, her shtick. Like branding is important. And we all know that there, you have Tracy Mattel, who is the queen of branding. Mm -hmm. You know what her brand is, but it's never the same thing. 
this right. is it's predictable that we know we're going to get red yellow and orange um but you're right i think this was the chance to do something different and i think she was just so afraid to do a just a regular little black dress that she was like i need to put something new into it and i don't think the payoff was necessarily there right I don't know what I would have wanted differently, to be honest, but what I will say is if she wanted to keep the color scheme, I like the wet paint idea and to have her reveal into something else. Yeah. Um, but we could have had a different hair color. She looked beautiful in that blonde in the earlier Absolutely. part of the episode. Um, very disco hair and I was here for it. Um, but this this look just wasn't it for me. Yeah. Well, Carson thinks it was a big dash of camp. Michelle wants bigger hair to balance her out. Lonnie called her performance out of this world. She took control of the stage and was a disco queen. And Rue loved the homage to Bob Mackie and her beaded disco Leo. I'm going to give it a big miss. It didn't work for me. I am also going to give it a big miss. The audience was 28% little hit, 72% big miss. Up, Candy Muse, dressed by Piretta Victory. This one is so hard for me. I think the concept is so smart for the runway with the paper doll inspired Princess Diana dress. The person mimicking the dress is cute. I just don't love the face and the hair. I think it completely distracted from the overall look. I would agree. I didn't understand the hair it was slicked back similar to yeah. when they did the mermaid a while mm -hmm. a few seasons ago um it just didn't make sense to me with this look i i will i appreciate the look i also reminded me of aja actually who did a similar look yes it is a few seasons ago yep the was gaga. it a reference point was that intended no uh, uh her aja was gaga this was a different designer but yeah it was two, it was two concepts that just happened to be very similar uh Interesting. Okay. Um, the other thing I didn't understand, and again, I'm not good with fashion references, so maybe it's something I'm missing, but holding the the little one, I mean, I get it, it's a little mm -hmm. black dress, like little dress. It, I don't know. I just felt it was unnecessary and somewhat distracting. I would have rather her just sold what she was wearing because it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a reference to whatever the designer was, whatever that fashion show was. Um, yeah. It just didn't work for me. And that's, I think that's my big issue with Candy right now is that she's there, but it's she's not living in her looks. The looks are living on top of her. Mm -hmm. um, Carson bad. thinks the, the look is fun, but finds the hair and paint distracting. Michelle, though, I thought the disco look was too plain for Drag Race. She says she's from the Boogie Down Bronx and keeps it real. She loves her moves, but they're all the same and don't go anywhere. She wants the other sides of Candy Muse. Lonnie says, go big and bold, but don't be that all the time. The look for me, I love Piretta so much, but big miss. I will agree. That was a big miss for me. The audience was, yeah, the audience was 57% little hit, 43 big miss. So very, very, very much on the, the teetering line there. Um, next, we have Got Mick. Look by Marco Marco, hair by Zach Killian, nails by Queen Custom Claws. This was a statement. It was a very important moment for the show to present. Um, we are proudly watching a transgender man show off their body and their scars on national television. The little black dress aspect is so smart. It covered up the down below area. The pastes are cute. It, this was a very important moment and that is, you can't take away. Yeah, when they came out in this, I was screaming in joy. I mean, again, I don't know fashion, but this is just gorgeous to me. The, the statement of it all, 
Um, I know Bob the Drag Queen has talked a lot about how their partner has had a lot of impact by seeing Got so open with their body on TV. And um, I mean, even as a cis person, this was just really powerful for me to see. Um, and I, I really give them a lot of credit as someone who earlier told us about their struggle with dysphoria to have the confidence to do this and how much that means for so many people. Um, but even fashion wise alone, this is just perfect in my eyes. Yeah. I, I, I really loved it. I think it was important for Mick. Someone reached out to me and made a point about the look and said, do you think we would have the same reaction if this person was overweight? Is there a skinny bias to this look? And I said, I don't know, but I feel like it wouldn't be judged the same way. I would agree. I, I feel that I would hope that I, or I like to think that I would feel the same way personally. Yeah. Statistically and as a community, I 100% agree. Um, I do think that there would be a much different look. And I mean, when we look at most of the performers who've been on Drag Race and have been praised for wearing little to no clothing, we think of Valentina, Aquaria, right. and other skinnier artists. And I think that further proves that mantra. And this is what Candy is trying to push against. Um, or I think she's expressed that before. She's been trying to wear things that are more revealing or more skimpy to try to break that mold. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting as well to see. Yeah. How she I, I mean, I'm not a performer. I'm not a drag queen. I'm not, I don't do that kind of thing. But if I were to do that, I don't think the reception would be as positive as this was. And it's just something to remember about our community. And maybe one day we'll be a little better. We'll see. One day. Very that. All right, next up, Elliot with two Ts. At the time of recording, no designers were listed. Um, when Michelle says the real housewife Paramus, I died because as a Bergen County kid, I know Paramus very well, and that was very that. I think Elliot looks rich and expensive, and she did exactly what the prompt says. She has a little black dress you can purchase from a store with a glamorous coat. Once that coat is off, it's over. This look is pedestrian. It's not something you would wear on RuPaul's Drag Race. I was not a fan of Elliot. I at agree. All. Um, I no, it was safe. I mean, at the very least, a simple, quick fix would have been just to have bigger hair. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm a New Yorker through and through, but I love my big Texas hair. Just something to amp it up a little bit, because as you said, it just felt very pedestrian. Yeah, it it it, it sucks to think that this runway is probably why Elliot did not win. Yeah, I, she, I, yeah, she just needed more. Yeah, Michelle thinks the dress is too regular in the challenge. She can move and she killed it. Carson thinks she could have been a disco muse and she gave them the Studio 54 experience. Rue asks what attracted Elliot to dance in the first place. She says she would always spin around and her mom put her in dance class at age five and it protected her from the bullying in her small farm town. And then Rue says... Parents, put your kids in dance class. Again, this is really one of the first times we're hearing any of an Elliot story. Because um, I think probably at this moment, the producers um, on the runway were like, maybe Elliot will win, question mark. So they had to give us something. But it, it, it was nice to hear from Elliot, but I still am not connected to Elliot. No, and I think that they have been trying to push 
this whole she wasn't chosen first so let's bond yeah. with her over sympathy deal um i think that was shown even earlier this episode how she wasn't picked with tamisha but it's not enough i mean i i, I don't have that mm-hmm. kind of empathy um you right. know we're all artists we all struggle we gotta we want more of that personal interaction so i'm Absolutely. hoping that they give us more of a storyline for her than just that this look um again once that coat is off and we're just in the little back black dress it's a big mess for me yep it's a big mess for me too audience was 39 percent little hit 61 percent big miss next up tamisha mon um didn't have a picture posted but this was probably likely tamisha mon making it herself again um according to her interview on what you pack him this look was incomplete and was going to sparkle and shine even more fine it's still clean it's simple it's classy but it's boring this is drag race i personally just don't think drag race in 2021 is right for tamisha i think years ago she would have slayed but the show has evolved into something that's not necessarily for her that being said she's fine it was fine it was safe yeah i think i've heard people call it the Alyssa edwards bias but i think i have that with tamisha where when you fall in love with the bigger personalities you let them get away with stuff you wouldn't let other performers get away with right i thought this was fine i was i was not i didn't have her in my bottom two this week um i thought it was safe i was gonna let her slide um but i i acknowledge i probably was turning more of a blind eye than i might have no, and then like that's and that's totally valid because she is this personality that that we've fallen in love for that she, she's made us love her. Um, so it, it's it's hard to think that she could have probably been safe this week if she wore something a little better and stronger. Um, Carson thinks the garment is gorgeous and is looking for the twist and wants it elevated. He wants her to have fun in the performance. Michelle thinks the um, neoprene has taken away from her figure. And Michelle is also getting fear in her eyes when she performs. And then Tamisha says six months ago, she was learning, relearning to walk and she's in her head, but she's still fighting. I will give it a big miss because it just was not the ticket compared to some other looks. Again, I'm biased, but I'm going to give it a big hit. All right. So little hit was 42%. Big miss was 58%. So the audience is, is right down the middle. They're, 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 we got that Tamisha love. Next up, Olivia Lux, dressed by Abraham Levy, hair by Madeline Hatter. Oh, the hair, it's big and curly and stunning. And, and, and you know when Madeline had, had her hair a mile away, it was perfection. The dress itself is elevated, just enough to be classy and sexy. Uh, the cut is exquisite. Um, she nailed this runway. Um, I am very turned on by Olivia in this look. Uh, and what we learned on social media is this look was also incomplete because it was not finished and a lot of it was done in the hotel room what are your thoughts on it i could tell (laughs) i'm glad to know that i love olivia and i'm pulling for her to win this season i i could see her getting Miss Congeniality, but i'm really hoping she does take it far um but this wasn't it for me i to me it looks like a corset with some glitter it's the hair I love, I love big hair from the neck up. She's stunning, always is that way. Yeah. Um, but this the look itself just wasn't it for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, and she got that little, little, little black bag with her. Uh, Michelle thinks the hair is speaking uh, to and they are listening. Lonnie had a good time watching her and everything worked. 
Carson said she just exudes positivity and joy. I think it's, this is crazy. Usually I'm like, if it's not the challenge, I'm going to give it a, um, I'm not going to be here for it. But the hair really just was so perfect that I will give it a little hit. I'm going to give it a big miss. I love her, but this, this look fair. just wasn't it. Audience was 55% little hit, 45% big miss. Next we have Utica, dressed by Rachel Ann Dombey. So she is dressed as her earring and Audrey Hepburn. It's a conceptual idea that if we didn't have that voiceover, it would have taken some time to understand the concepts like it did for the judges. That being said, she's got a very basic cut of a little black dress. The story here is how she dragged it up with the gold body and the face and the hat with the earring. I love how each week she will never give you the same thing. She is a runway assassin. And the, the, the big lips, I think she just brought the campy edge while still remaining sexy. So I know they didn't get it, but I think this was a hit. Overall, I would agree. I do struggle when, and I've been in this position myself in competitions where when you have to explain your concept, yeah. it's already lost on people. It's too little, too late. Right. Um, however, I, I really connect to Utica in this way where I know I'm similar is that I think she overthinks her concepts too much and worries about the minute details sure. that it gets so specific that it gets lost on people. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really torn on this, but other than it having to um, be relative to Little Black Dress in general, I love this look. I just remember for the specific runway. Yeah. So Michelle thinks she's watching Mary Hartman meets Carol Burnett, but it wasn't disco. She felt it was a caricature of a caricature. She wants to know how she came up with the look and Utica shows off her earrings and finally Michelle gets the idea. Carson is glad the look was explained, but was what the fuck until then. Lonnie says if they're really going to understand it because it's a competition, make sure they can understand it. It's exactly what you just said. And it's, it's hard because we, we have a different perspective than the judges do. I will still give it a little hit because I think it's a good overall look. I'm going to do the same for the same reason. I'm going to give it a little hit. Audience was 75% little hit, 25% big miss. Next we have Denali. Outfit by Grace Duvall. Hair by Hats by Carlos. Nails by Boy Nails. The concept is Black Widow. The dress itself is very bland. Velvet is a very nice material, but it's very bland. I think the back of the dress with the spider web and the hat reveal with the spider eyes really made this look something special. Otherwise, it just would have been lost in the crowd. This was the epitome of safe. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, I I didn't really understand it. I liked, you know, when she took the hat off, the the eyes were, were interesting and something I don't think we've really seen much prosthetics on Drag Race to my memory, um, if you consider that prosthetic. Um, but not I, on I US, really, UK. We just saw shit right, <laughs> right, right on UK. Yes, but not on US. Yeah, um, but yeah. The I mean, the beating was cute. Again, I like you said. I think it was really safe. Um, it's this is a difficult runway, in my opinion, to really yeah. something so pedestrian to amp it up to what we expect from artists on Drag Race at this point, exactly in the season and of all of the seasons. It was a challenge for them, and I think that she was safe. I think it was an okay look. Um, I'm going to give it a big miss just because it was too safe for me. I, I expect more from Denali. I'm going to give it a little hit um, just because I think it was safe and I, I would agree about expecting more from her, but 
I don't want to put too much pressure on her this early in the season. That's fair. The audience was with you. 73% little hit, 27% big miss. Next, we have Rosé. Uh, dressed by Jamil Moreno, gloves by Casey Slater, hair by Salmonella. Um, she wanted to showcase the little black dress with gray tulle around it. For me, it's fashion, but it did not work. If the little black dress were something more eye-popping like Candy's silhouette was, I think this would be a serve. But for me, all I see is tulle and the gray hair and forget about that black hole in the center of her body. I, from people I've talked to, I'm in the minority opinion about this, but I love this. I think it was inspired by the same, I think if I'm not wrong, it was inspired by the same runway that Candy's was. Um, However, I I just think this was the campy version of it, which I'm always here for. Mm -hmm. I did get a little lost, so it's slightly above uh, middle, more safe end, but not by much, just because the gray blends in too much with the tool for me. And the yeah. tool near her neckline is a little high. So her head is almost floating. Yeah. It's like she's swimming in it. Exactly. Um, the last other critique I would say is I really hope she doesn't pull out any more tool because it was the first time it was okay. This time it was great. It's campy, but it's like Tina with the color palette. Like we just want to see something different. We get it. Yeah, it's, it's, campy. it's so interesting because Rosé has been delivering every week. For me, this is probably the weakest of everything she's brought so far and i'm not sure why this just didn't work maybe i think it was it must have just been for me lost in translation because i just didn't understand it yeah and i you know i look at rose obviously i think like most of us do we think of stephanie's child um the only person i really know is laguna uh, who i've actually had conversations with one-on-one um but I just look at them and I feel like cohesively, they're usually really strong with their fashion looks. And so mm-hmm. it's just been surprising to me to really see Rosé for the first time on her own. I don't know if she's holding up to par from what I would typically expect. From so let, let, me, let, me, let me pose this question. Rosé gets to prepare for the show after seeing her sister Jan on the show. Do you think Jan's experience influenced Rosé's preparation for the show? At first, I would say no. I could see why that, there could be an argument for that and I would be on board with that. But my my initial answer would be no. Um, just because Jan, to me, seemed much more fashion forward and not mm-hmm. leaning as much camp as Rosé is. Right. And so maybe Rosé is leaning a little bit more into camp than she would have already, but I still think that you can have camp with fashion and there's not Absolutely. much that, and there's not, there's not too much that I would change about this particular look from what I'm looking for, where Rosé still achieves the goal I think she's going for that is different than how Jan did her season. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really interesting because I think you're right. I mean, whether it's uh, a crutch or not, we know the three of them as a three, as a trio. And seeing them individually is not the same payoff as seeing them as a trio, mm-hmm. um, especially on the runway. So I, it, it's hard because I love Rose dearly. Um, but for me this week, it was a big miss. I'm going to give it a little hit. All right. Well, Audience was 22% little hit, 78% big miss. 
Next up, La La Re. No designers listed because that's probably because she bought it at a store. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about La La Re. I just don't love her runways. There's talent and there's taste, and she just lacks the taste. Um, it didn't fit because we saw her panties. Uh, she needed to adjust it multiple times. This is a black dress with sleeves and easily something you can wear out. I get it. It's a little black dress, but the thing that pushes it a step further is the jewelry. And while she's tripping in silver, the focus should be on the challenge. And in that, I believe she failed. I would agree. And the silver does not cover the neckline, which for me, based on how big the necklace is and how it drips, that bothers me. It's just this little glimpse between the bottom of the necklace and the top of the neckline that you see her natural skin or maybe her breastplate if she's wearing one. Yeah. Um, it just really bothers me. And as you said, it was too short. I mean, this looks like something she got off the rack of rainbow. Um, yeah. It's just really, really cheap, store-bought, way too short, doesn't fit her. It, it just wasn't it for me. And I love Lola Ree. Um, I, I, sometimes I find that I think that she's a younger queen compared to some of these other performers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sometimes want to give her the benefit of the doubt with that, but standing next to someone like Olivia, it's hard to use that as, as right. an excuse anymore. I agree. Um, for me, absolute big miss. I will agree. Definitely big miss. Audience, nineteen percent little hit, eighty-one percent big miss. Finally, we got Simone, outfit by House of Avalon, hair by Malcolm Marquez. Oh wow, this was. She did RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race and still managed to be her authentic self. Um, the hair is stunning. The hair is from Back to My Roots by RuPaul. The little black dress itself is cute and is something I can see Simone wearing, but the story is how she rocked the hair. And I know I'm contradicting myself and saying the dress doesn't matter here, but still, this is not a dress anyone else on the runway could have pulled off. So in that respect, it's a success of a dress. I agree. I think this is another opportunity for us to beg the question, would we feel differently if she wasn't skinny? Um, But all of that aside, we already had that conversation. I think she's stunning. I think she rocked it. Um, It's a big, big risk to make Mm -hmm. a RuPaul reference in front of RuPaul, especially this early in the season when they're still more or less getting to know you. And I think she Six episodes in. I know, right? <laughs> well, half of them weren't there for one of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that this is, um, I think she really she really nailed this. Yeah, definitely a little hit for me. I would say the same, yes, little hit. Audience, 92% little hit, 8% big miss. Decision time. Gottmik, Denali, Rosé, Lala, Ree, Simone are safe. That leaves Candy, Tina, Elliot, Tamisha, Utica, and Olivia as the tops and bottoms. Agree or disagree? I um, I disagree. I'm trying to remember. I It was someone that I wanted to replace with Tina. I think it was, Olivia was not one of the six, right? Olivia was the, the top. Olivia was the top. So then I guess I agree with it. I don't know why I felt like I felt differently. Yeah, I, I think mean, I was I, just still bitter about Tina's color palette. I'm not going to keep beating that with a dead horse, but. That, that's fair. Yeah, I, I feel like this was the right grouping. Um, again, we had Gottmik doing that great moment on the runway, but that challenge was not great. And everyone else was just very, very safe. So I think they got it right. 
I remember now what I was going to say is I was questioning and I'll get slack for this. I was questioning swapping out Tina with Rosé. That's possible. I mean, again, I think that dress is very decisive. Like people had opinions on it. So because the performance was excellent. Yes. So ultimately, Olivia is the winner of the week. She wins a $5,000 cash chip. Is she the winner of the week of the, the top three? Did you agree? I would say so. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say so. I think she's I re- really played re- in the Discord Challenge. She shared us again. Um, she has that energy. She pulls off the look. She's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I, I think if Elliot had a better runway, Elliot would have won, but that's going to be her downfall on this season is her runways. Tina is safe. Elliot agree. is safe. It's down to Tamisha, Candy, and Utica. And Yudik is the safe one, leaving Candy and Tamisha as the bottom. Do you agree, or do you think this was all the plot line for the Candy versus Tamisha battle? I think it's a mix of both, but I, I do agree. Um, I, I think it was Tamisha's time. I think she knew it was her time. Yeah. And I also, I wonder even if um, it is scripting. I would think it's more scripting for Candy's story to go to the, be the winner rather than for their feud solely because the whole storyline they're putting out with Candy is that she is um, somewhat pretentious and mm-hmm. really the top name of her local um, area. And so for her to be shut down to the bottom was the fuel that she needed to put the fire under her and really wake oh, up I... and realize like, you're not gonna be handed this crown, you have to fight for it. And this could now project her to the winner's circle, which I Absolutely. think they're, they're really trying to set her up for. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think Utica overall was not the best in the challenge, but I think her runway was just so unique enough that if you put her in the bottom, it just didn't make sense. So I, I agree that this worked um, but for TV purposes, it was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Track record-wise, Tamisha's doing slightly worse than Candy. Tamisha will need to pull out a miracle in order to stay. The song is not a disco song, shockingly, but it is Hit Em Up Style by Blue Cantrell. Oh, I love this song so much. What a perfect lip-sync song. Tamisha gives you classic drag lip-sync, and on this song, it's perfection. Candy is giving you um, a bit of bad bitch energy because she wants to stay. I said it during the episode, but on episode one, but Candy lip syncs very small compared to the energy that she brings. I want her to make her mouth bigger. I don't know how she can, but you have someone like Britta Filter who has the big mouth and you can hear the words she's lip-syncing to. It gets lost with Candy, and especially on a TV setting, it's not necessarily translating as it would in a bar scene. I would agree. Uh, it's funny that you say that, because that, Britta was the first person I thought of. And yeah, you know, Candy is such a loud, boisterous personality. And so that's why it never surprised me that Britta comparatively had a similar lip sync style to her personality. It's loud, it's brash, it's in your face. But Candy seems to do the complete opposite. She seems to close off a lot more compared to how she is, say, in Untucked. Um, And I I would hope that she would um, 
show more of that because I think she does with her movements and she did in the slip sync for sure. Yeah. It's it's like she just needs to extend the mouth when she says her words. And that's, I don't know how to teach that. So if there's someone out there who wants to tell me how you can teach that, there, there has to be a way. Um, personally, I found Tamisha's performance more engaging, but Rue has final say and Candy Shantae's walk Tamisha and her cancer storyline sashay away. Um, I really do think they got everything they wanted from Tamisha. They got the storyline. They heard everything about her struggle. There wasn't much left for her. And I, it was her time, sadly, but I, they hug it out. And as she says, she's ready for All-Star, girl. She's ready. To, she's waiting for the call. She's going to do it. And you know she's going to be the first call from this season. Oh, 100%. Because Maybe know, second, so maybe all- second, but yeah. She'll be on all sure. Yeah, with all stars, they they always ask at least one person right after their season. Usually, most yeah. of them, um, and I'm sure that Tamisha will definitely be one of the people they call. Yeah, I I, I could definitely see Tamisha doing slightly better on an all star season winner. Probably not, but I think I think the fan base has loved Tamisha to the point of bring her back. Let's do it again. Yep. Shall we talk about Untucked a little bit? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Rosé is disappointed she's safe and thought she might win this week, but is proud to be in the top every other week. Mick tried to sell Disco Fantasy, but she's happy because the littlest black dress RuPaul has ever seen. The girls this week get to drink their bubbly in untucked koozies, which was cool, and I'm sure that will be on the World of Wonder website soon. Simone is happy to be here, and Denali said that she and Lala did so much rehearsal on the side, and they both committed to it. Lala's thankful to not be in the bottom and was gunning for the top spot. And the girls are gagged that she's not in the top. And honestly, I ask, what are you smoking? Where, where did you see Lala Ree being on top in here? I was sh- so shocked, so shocked. Yeah, to be honest, I was surprised that she didn't go home before Tamisha did. So the fact that she thinks that she was going to be in the top was flabbergasting. She could have gone home last week, but that, that's a whole different story. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Mick thinks Elliot slayed and Tamisha didn't look cute next to Elliot. She thinks Tina went hard and Candy didn't look good as good. She thinks it's going to be Candy versus Tamisha in the bottom. And the girls are like, Candy and Tamisha in the bottom? Lip syncing? I know. Yeah, yeah. They should have seen it coming. They, you, you, I guess it's hard to know the story as the story is progressing in front of you, but the writing was on the wall. It was going to happen. If you're a fan of the show, you know your rival and you are going to have to fight it out. Yep. Lala says she liked Tamisha's dress. So maybe it's just an Atlanta um, alliance going on there, but they then discuss Mick's little black dress and how iconic it is. And Denali uh, compares it to Madonna's boob bar moment. Rosé has been in the top three weeks in a row and she had high expectations for herself. She gave everything she could and thought this would be her first win and she's just not happy about it. She told Rue that she needed to loosen the fuck up and she has an idea about herself and that there is pressure being there and she's trying to be perfect. Just gotta shake it up. Mick then tells her that she sees her as perfect and has a hard time reading her despite Rosé saying at home she's the drunk bitch with one nail on. And then we get our first video message of the season. And from Scottsdale, it's Gottmik's parents. 
Um, Gottmik was totally shocked here. Um, it's I do miss the the crew member like rolling out the TV moment. Um, yes. But we get we get, I guess you can't really have that in COVID times. But her mom says that they were reminiscing about their favorite moments of Gottmik and drag, and says it was when they were sitting in the, at the kitchen table and they just stayed up gluing rhinestones. Gottmik's dad says that at a soccer function. Function, really? Gottmik just started dancing and had the courage and fearlessness from an early age. He continues to say that they're proud of Gottmik for the willingness of putting themselves out there for the world to see and wishes them the best of luck. The thing that really got Gottmik was them noting that they used his chosen name, Cade. Gottmik goes on to say that they have come really a long way since... um, came out about the transition and it was hard for them and it was a surprise and a huge moment for this to happen this was a good video message we've had a lot of waste of time video messages but this was a good one i definitely agree i i usually despise these i think they're just filler time and you know forced narratives but this was again this was a moment where i really felt overall i felt this this episode was much more genuine than what we might typically find and this was really important. I, I genuinely hope that um, Gott had a say in this because this could also be um, mm-hmm. performative. Yeah. Um, and so I hope, you know, we know obviously that they're signing a contract and, and all of that. So sometimes they are forced to do things they don't want to do. But um, I, think that, I think this was really a genuine moment and it's really powerful whenever we see families, whatever that family may look like supporting our queer brethren. And, and I think it is in, important for the audience to see that if they are struggling, just talk. Conversations are important. And, and I, I hope it is a, a, a teachable moment for those questioning and those struggling to come out and transition. Gottmik is now an icon for it. So this was really, really special to see. The queens return and they can all read their faces. Utica knows she's 100% in the bottom because they didn't like her disco at all and they didn't get her look until she explained it. Tina says her energy was amazing and this is what Tina Burner is. The gag would be Tina Burner winning a dance challenge. The gag is she didn't win it. Olivia finally got her first critiques and she felt very good this week and she worked really hard. She took a risk and showed them who Olivia is. She feels confident she is in the top. And Elliot is uncertain if she's in the top because she probably knows I'm wearing what I'm wearing and everyone else is wearing drag. Tamisha points out that they said she was in her head and that there was nothing wrong with the number, but you could see her thinking. Candy knows she's definitely in the bottom and she doesn't fucking know why. She's very shocked and surprised that they felt the jumpsuit was too plain and she says that she can't be anything else but who she is. They want more from her. If they want you to put some stones and something on the jumpsuit, girl, do it. You can do it. It's fine. Um, again, this is another moment where I'm like, Candy, I don't know if you fully realize what you're portraying. Yeah, I think Candy is also another example, as I said earlier, of just someone who really is so used to being praised all the time that they're yeah. not even aware of what's being said necessarily they're just hearing criticism and they're not necessarily hearing the words because a few episodes back they had said you looked lost in the dance challenge you were looking at other people you didn't really know what was going on 
And I don't remember if that was a critique, but that's what I saw this week. And so it shows Absolutely. that you didn't hear what they said and took it to show your growth. And this was an opportunity to do that. So understandably, you're going to be put in the bottom for that. And that's yeah. also what kind of frustrated me about um, some other folks, but. No, yeah. it's, it's very valid. So they all joke about the arrogant moment because Tamisha makes a joke out of this whole thing. But they all laugh about the fact that they finally got to work together as a team and Tina felt that they were a team and it was a cute moment. Go team, go. Um, Tamisha says she's an adult and doesn't have grudges against anybody, but she knows her and Candy are in the bottom and she's not leaving until the lady says sashay away. She said RuPaul, but I wish that confessional said she was the lady because that will be the most iconic thing Tamisha Mon has ever said in the confessional. The lady said go home. Candy is confused with the challenge with how the tops and bottoms were called. She was feeling it and sucks that a plain red jumpsuit can land her in the bottom. But don't forget, it's reality TV, girl. You got there because you got into a fight. Olivia says that it was a dance challenge, but it was more of a feeling challenge. It evoked more than dance. And I think she's kind of right. You could be a good dancer, but if, you're not, if you don't have emotion behind it, did you do your job? Candy is just going to go and listen to the song. To me, she's a dancer. She's in her head because she's not meeting it in her head, but she executed the number. She's going to do her thing. Utica is still convinced it's going to be her and Candy going up against each other, but she's still wrong. So, so, so wrong. Candy gives a show for, for a living and she is ready to save her ass as she is not going to go home. And Tamisha is an entertainer, so she's not worried about the lip sync. She's ready to fight to show what she needs to do. But in the end, Tamisha is eliminated. She's tremendously proud of herself and it's given a new renewal on life. I think she's probably one of the first people to ever leave that runway with a smile on her face. Yeah, I would agree. You know, like I said earlier, I think she knew it was her time. I think she was ready to go. And, um, you know, I think that this was a really great opportunity for us to see what older school drag has to offer. We've seen representations of that with people who have that style of drag. I think yeah. I do more or less, but we haven't necessarily seen a true performer who has been in the game as long as Tamisha has. Yeah. And I think that meant a lot to her. Um, yeah. to have that she takes in the workroom before she starts packing she has no regrets girls that were there half her age and she was still able to compete on a show that's so influential she never told anyone about her osme bag and she wants to inspire someone to push forward if she can do it anyone can do it she's back to the atl lookout world here she comes she then says the competition gave her the fight to live. And I think that was, that's really the encompassment of her entire story. I asked some burning questions to wrap this up. What is Tamisha Mon's legacy going to be following the show? Oh boy. Um, I would hope one for humility and community. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Tamisha is a drag mother to everyone, which is why it's also funny that the whole Wawa Re, she's my yeah. mother, she's not my mother. Um, because that's how Tamisha is. She just takes everyone under her wings, just like a mother. She'll call you out on your BS and she's not afraid to tell you like it is, but she's also still there to be supportive yeah. and give you a pat on the back at the end of the day. And I hope that the community of performers who end up on the show can instill more of that moving forward. Absolutely. 
We've got a new bossy Rossi next week. It's improv, and we know some of the girls are not good at that. Who are you worried about? Um, I would probably be a little worried about Utica. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember from the last second challenge. I, I, I would say Utica, maybe I'll say Rosé, just because I think she's getting huh? so in her head. And sometimes when Rue calls calls out the performers who get in their head, that makes them get in their head more. Yeah. I am terrified for La La Ree. I think it's going to be her time to go. I could see her and Elliot really bottoming out this week um, because they had such minimal parts in that act, last acting challenge. And they just do not strike me as strong performers in that sense. So I'm worried about the two of them. We'll see how that goes. I ask it every week. Mm-hmm. After six episodes, who is the winner? Like I said earlier, I think it's Candy. Um, okay. I think that they've really been scripting her on a way to get there. And especially after this week, as I said, they lit a fire under her to project her to the top with that storyline. So it's just a matter of her pulling through and sometimes shutting her mouth to not yeah to not worry about other people and worry about more her own game. Yeah, I think definitely if this was the 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 bottom moment for Candy the editors have helped her out to come up above it and do well. I still am fully convinced this show is going to Simone. I just, that beautiful human has done no wrong. I, I just, I don't know where she's going to falter. I, I, I think she's got this in the bag. So we'll see, we'll see. But I think it's going to be a fun ride to the end because it could go so many different ways. We're six episodes in. We haven't even hit Snatch Game yet. This season's going on forever. I know. I thought they were going to do it next week, which is why I was shocked that they um, that they aren't. But yeah. here we are, maybe the week after. Hopefully. Here's hoping. Well, where can we find you on social media and Venmo? Yeah, so my Venmo is at Ramona Mirage, R-A-M-O-N-A-M-I-R-A-G-E. It's the same for my Instagram. I also have a YouTube series that I'm working on where I talk about therapeutic topics in drag, because as I said earlier, I'm a therapist and social worker primarily. Um, And yeah, you can see me around. I'll be moving to Chicago this summer, but hoping to do a little New York tour before I head out pending mixed coronavirus. (laughs) Uh, and uh yeah i'll certainly be back in new york when i can so keep an eye out for me awesome well thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me it's been great a huge thanks to ramona for chatting subscribe on apple Podcasts, google play spotify soundcloud or stitcher and leave us a review while you're there make sure you engage with me on social media and tell me your favorite episode so far if you have any questions or comments drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link Listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.